0: On this episode of the Talent Cast, I explain why we're all getting dumber. Huh? Who said that? We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better an employer brand talent acquisition for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, If you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, TheTalentCast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, this is, by the way, treat this as a companion to my previous podcast, episode 35, um, whose name I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter so let just to quickly sum up what i mentioned last time so i can get back on track for what i'm talking about this time last time i talked about the idea that how we find jobs is absolutely ludicrous because um, it's all predicated on the ATS and the resume. The, the resume is there as a commercial for me, the applicant, to only show you good things. I'm My whole job in the recruitment process is to not let you see the negative things. Let's be fair, even the reference process, I'm handpicking people I know to only say good things about me and handing them to you, and you really don't have much choice except at the very, 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 very highest levels to really understand how to get more information, more uh, um, more, what was the word before? more uh, objective information about me. During the interview process, during the phoner process, you're desperate to try and peek behind the commercial, and I'm desperate to tap dance away from keeping you and deflecting you from seeing the ugly underneath, so to speak. That is the core of all our recruiting marketing. At the same time, uh, companies like Indeed and Glassdoor and LinkedIn have made it such that if you post, if you spend zero cents to put your job out there online, which everybody does at this point, Companies will scrape it and put it online, making the process of quote-unquote finding a job there. It's done. It's, it's solved. The, every job that is out there is able to be scraped, is sitting on the big job boards, and you're done. That's it. You might promote your jobs on one job board over another, but in the end, all those jobs are available. And of course, Google's coming to the point where it's showing up to the party and saying, Oh, you want to organize information? I think we know a thing or two about this process. So that was kind of the thrust of my last part of the conversation. But I, I want to point out an article which came out this week. Um, if I can find it, I'll throw it in the show notes, or maybe it came out last week. Uh, again, if I can find it. But it's not even an article worth really mentioning because it's so obvious. It's something you all know that it bears, that it doesn't bear repeating. But I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, it's my podcast and I get to say what I want. The concept that because we have smartphones, because we have Google, because we have that information, that access to information in our pockets, at our fingertips 24-7, we're actually kind of getting dumber, right? Now, Einstein's famous for once I mean, being asked by a reporter what his phone number was and he says, I don't know, go look it up. And someone said, you're the world's smartest human being. How do you not know your phone number? He goes, because I know how to look it up. What he was saying is an that information that's accessible by other means can be offloaded from your brain so your brain can focus on bigger complicated problems that you know, those tools can't, right? If I don't need to know what the capital of, 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 of Egypt is, because I can just look it up in three seconds. What do I have to learn it for? In the process of building this, I actually, my last podcast, I googled what is 5% of 7.5 billion. First off, I googled how many people are in the world, and as of April, it's 7.5 billion. And then I literally typed in, what is 5% of 7.5 billion, and it told me it's 375 million people. I used almost no power. All I did is say, hey, Google, here, answer this question. Google, do this. If I had an Alexa or an OK Google, one of those Google Home things, I could have just spoken it. I wouldn't even need to type it. Hey, Google, who's in that movie? Hey, Google, what's this fact I need to get? Right? This is the world we live in. This is not news to anybody. Maybe I'm pointing it out and you're not realizing it. Maybe. I don't think so. I think you all know it. How many of you are like me that you watch TV and like a, Tenth of the time you're watching TV, you've got IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, open on your phone or your laptop because you go, where have I seen her before? What was she in before? That's driving me crazy. Oh, she was on Mad Men. She was on two episodes of Mad Men where she played. Blah, 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 blah. I play that game with my wife all day long. <laughs> I think I have the advantage. I think I'm winning, but she's pretty good at it. Where did we see him before? Oh yeah, he was in that thing. That's how I think most of us. Process information. We're always making those connections. The brain never stops making connections, and now we're just feeding it these tools that make it very easy to make those connections happen. Right? IMDb and Google and and here, let's open my phone real quick. I can tell you what kind of tools I've got open. Um, I don't think there are any different years. I got ESPN for news. I got LinkedIn. I got Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Gmail and Mail and and you know my WordPress stuff. I've got Netflix. I've got you know all this stuff. Let's see what else I got. You know my banking information. You know what I know? You know what my bank account number is? I don't know either. I know what my login is and it will tell me what my account is, right? I don't need to know what the train schedule is because I open the app and say, "When's when's the next train or bus coming? Oh good, I can walk to that. I can offload so much knowledge onto my phone, laptop, or the cloud that I've started to forget things. My, you know, and I'm getting older. You're getting older. Sorry, that's how time works. I don't think I'm saying anything weird here, but I'm forgetting things. You're forgetting things because we're not being forced to remember them. I make the joke to people at my at work. I say, one day you'll all figure out that if you just put an event in my calendar that says two two p uh, two a.m. Navy Pier, bring donuts, I'll show up at two a.m. with a box of donuts, going, "Why am I here again, exactly?" I'll just show up, I just do what my phone tells me to do. Hey, go to this room, go talk about this thing. Okay, I'm gonna do that now. How many of you are like that? I'm gonna guess it's quite a few. We've offloaded that level of thinking onto our devices. Why am I bringing this up? Well, as we've talked about, as we've been able to figure out how to collect all the job information in all the companies around the world and put it online, and it's collected in a handful of spots, or it's at least, aggregated a number of spots google linkedin uh indeed that sort of company that sort of stuff if all that stuff is there how does that change job hunting how does that change the process of finding and being talent now it's a subtle thought because you're just saying well it's just like it is now just more just bigger right it's simpler i i i can send a million resumes where it used to take me uh, that amount of time to send one. I remember very clearly my father in the I think was the mid 80s, typing up cover letters on a typewriter. No, this had to be in the early 80s. Yes, this was the early 80s, sorry. Typing it to, to move from the New York City area to another area and he would type cover letters to hiring managers in other cities and tack it onto his resume and mail them out. He typed cover letters. He had a core letter he could use all the time, but he still typed the letter. And that took a lot of time. So the concept of me sending 1,000 resumes out to 1,000 different companies in the same amount of time is a huge shift, right, from a, from a scale standpoint. How long does it take me to use, you know, um, you know Indeed, or not Indeed, LinkedIn, actually Indeed does it too. A lot of these companies have this super fast, just shoot them my profile application process. You know, I don't even have to fill out the ATS. <laughs> I just, here, here's my profile. It already exists online. Here, take this one Here. I want to connect it to this job you have opening here, just take it, just take it here. You figure out if, I, if I'm going to be good for this job. And we have to wait for the company to decide does this make sense because the company has a lot more information than the job seeker because the company actually knows what the job is and actually knows what the job is like and what skills are required regardless of what's in the job description. The company is holding all the cards at the moment, not for forever by the way. So it's just about here, here's my profile, you figured it out. And that's why when companies say they have a job opening, and they get 250 uh, applicants, they get a lot of junk because people are like, you're not explaining this very well. Here, just take my profile. We've set the bar so low that we can make it so easy to send our resumes places, we just do. Law of big numbers says eventually you'll call, somebody will call me back. And since no one's really defining how their companies different from other companies, it doesn't matter who calls me back, just as long as somebody calls me back and pays me a salary. Now, that's a fairly cynical outlook on it, but I don't think it's too outlandish. I don't think I'm saying anything crazy, as it were. The problem is we've lost the humanity. We've made it so easy to just push the information back and forth. Here are some jobs aggregated in a single spot. Here's my profile. Here, take it. You could literally have a couple of bots do this for you and automate this process, assuming you are a commodity assuming you were a pound of co- uh, coffee, assuming you were an ounce of, of gold. You're not. You're a person. You're a person. You're an individual. Two people have the exact same skill sets and the exact same experiences. One is outgoing and one is more uh, introverted. One of them is going to be more successful at the company. I don't know which one because I don't know what company we're talking about. At some companies, the extrovert's going to be far more successful than the introvert. And in some companies, the exact opposite is true. It's about the company. It's about making the match. That's why fit is so important. That's why culture fit is so important to be discussed and concerned ourselves about. That's why mission, employer brand, that's why all that stuff matters so much because there's no such thing as great talent. There's great talent for you, crap talent for somebody else. What works for you won't work for them and vice versa. That's why I keep preaching and some days that's exactly what it feels like. I keep preaching this idea that you have to know yourself and communicate who you really are. It's not about what do you say to attract great talent because what's great talent to you is not what's great talent to somebody else. We're people. We're messy. We're sloppy. We're weird. We're goofy. We have horribly weird hobbies. We do strange things. We have strange motivations for doing things, each of us individually. Let's stop treating skills as commodities. Okay? The future of work is about embracing the peopleness of all this. Now, these two ideas, embracing the peopleness, and making all this information widely available and getting dumber are all actually interconnected because I think this is where the future of talent is headed. Now that Google has stepped into the room and said, yes, we're going to do a job board type thing. Why? Well, you can figure out our own motivations if you want, if you care. I think I've had a couple of (laughs) thoughts on that, as you know, and I don't think it matters. What I think happens is, is the second Google steps into the ring and says, look, we're going to apply a Google level of thought and a Google level of cloud server technology on this problem of how to connect people. We're going to make job openings so easy to create and find that they become the commodity. Uh, There's a great story about oh, I'm going to blank on his name. The guy who started IKEA, one of the one of that remember, and he was in a uh, food market in China and he was eating something and he was looking and he saw rows and rows and rows of chickens that were plucked and, and obviously killed and they were ready to be uh, sold. And he looked at all those chickens and he thought, what do they do with the feathers? That's kind of what the internet really is. The internet has always been, among the many things it is, it's always been this idea of how do you leverage this huge resource that no one else has tapped, right? There was a time, a long, long time ago, when the internet was nothing but individual human beings say, I really like X, so I'm going to write about X. Or I'm going to take pictures of my collection of Y and show you my collection of Y. And when you have a couple million people putting an hour or two or ten or a hundred into an idea, the aggregation of all that experience, knowledge, wisdom, information is interesting. You might call it Wikipedia right now. I think that's the best way to talk about Wikipedia. You have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are knowledgeable about something, or maybe two or three somethings, putting that information out there. And for a given subject, whether it's philosophy or Taylor Swift, they put in their information. And what you get in the aggregate is a sense of, okay, for an alien coming down to Earth and wanting to know what the heck a Taylor Swift is, here, here is a good sense of what a Taylor Swift is and what it means to some people it's the gift economy is what it was called at the time people kind of just put some time in they had some excess time they put it out there and they made something out of it and with a certain amount of volume of that you could start to build amazing things like Wikipedia which by the way let's be honest couldn't live without (laughs) it's an amazing resource I'm not gonna say it is or isn't biased this isn't that conversation it is however incredibly useful It's imperfect, 17,000 ways imperfect, but man, is that incredibly useful. In the same way the Ikea guy said, what do I do with all these extra feathers? What he said was, if we we can get enough of these butchers to collect all these feathers and we can take it off their hands for a low, low price, you know what I can do? Turn them into pillows and and bedding for a low, low price. Using a resource that everyone sees at a small level as trash, waste, uselessness, at an aggregate level, has a lot of value. Anybody remember a long time ago when AOL was growing so fast they would send you the CDs of the the login software? They would put it in magazines. They would mail it to you every two weeks. I mean, there was like a two-year span where you just got all these CDs of information. And by the way, a CD is what a DVD was before it was a DVD, for those of you too young to remember a, a CD. We won't even talk about what a floppy was. And I can't even talk about when floppies were actually floppy and not those three and a whatever not i'm not gonna get all granddad on you okay i'm sorry there are artists who took thousands of those cds that everybody that i treated as garbage because i didn't need to get on aol and i didn't need that one cd and there was no value in me having that one cd you couldn't reuse it i threw it away but an artist said send me send them all to me and he and he had thousands and thousands and thousands he started making sculptures out of it Huge, massive sculptures made out of plastic and whatever the metal in plastic is that make a CD a CD. Once he had a couple thousand of them, he had raw materials. There are people who took mouse pads. Once we all moved to track pads, and, and before that, we had laser pow- powered mice that we didn't need m- mouse with balls when they had no ball on it. They didn't need a track pad, a special piece of neoprene and fabric to make traction, to make it easier for the mouse to really understand where it was. But people still have all these, these mouse pads. And people said just send them to me and they made couches out of it (laughs) i mean they were heavy and blocky and they weren't attractive but the concept of i had a mouse pad and now this one person has a couch of mouse pads that's crazy but that's the internet if you have one of something that's garbage if you have a million of them suddenly it's a resource you can tap into if i have a company and i have 10 jobs or 20 jobs or let's say i'm a massive company i have a thousand jobs on my job site uh it's, that's of limited value but if i have all the job descriptions if i have every aol cd if i have every mouse pad if i have every feather i have a resource and i can turn that into something and this is where google coming to play changes the game it's not about a scale issue where it just got bigger so it's okay it's just the same but bigger you went from a, an old tube screen to a flat screen. TV's still the same. it's just bigger. A little sharper, but it's bigger. Yeah, except there's a whole computer in my TV. It has Netflix on it. I can tweet on my darn TV. No cathode ray tube TV ever did that. Once you could put a TV on the wall and stick a whole bunch of electronics in it, suddenly it's not just a TV. Suddenly it's a computer. It's a whole different thing. Same idea. The internet has taken all these jobs, or is about to take all these jobs, and say, once I have all of them, What is really happening what else does google have a lot of i mean aside from money (laughs) it has a lot of knowledge about you it has a lot of in-depth knowledge of how you shop how you act how you write on your emails um how you interact with the internet uh what news you look at where you live where your house is what your street looks like it knows All of that. Now what if Google could say, now that I know all this about people, and by the way, it does, and by the way it has a whole team of data scientists looking at that information saying, okay, for the sake of advertising, how do I figure out who you are so I can push the right ads to you so they don't feel like interruptions but more like, hey, you might find this interesting and you think, oh yeah, I do find this interesting, thanks. You know, it's not like you're watching uh, a TV show and there's a commercial for, let's say you're a, um, let's say you're a 23 year old dude who just graduated college and you just found a job, and they're pushing, you know, um, feminine products and retirement savings and large button flip phones at you. None of that stuff matters to you. You may like Hogan's Heroes, but you don't need any of the products that seem to be attached to the advertising of Hogan's Heroes. You just think Klink is funny, and frankly, who doesn't? Klink's great. Oh, I just had a Hogan's Hero reference. That was that was a moment. Um, your your commercials are dictated by mass, right? Most people who watch Hogan's Heroes are older, therefore they get the AARP, big button flip phones, step in tub incontinence product commercials, football, or the US football, American football, gets a lot more beer commercials. What does the voice get? What does the bachelorette get? Not a lot of flip phone and beer commercials. <laughs> they say most of the people who watch the show are X, therefore we advertise for X. But when Google knows who you are and knows what you're into and knows what you do and knows how you do it and can start to identify a lot of different criteria by which to break you down and say, ah, you're introverted, ah, you're extroverted, ah, you are a, someone with a million hobbies, ah, you are someone with no hobbies and can figure out how to interpret that What happens when it knows you better than your boss knows you? Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it all you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on itunes and google play and other places that you review and share podcast information that's all you got to do leave some stars leave a review whatever you got to do we really appreciate it it's what keeps us going thanks to the people who've done it already but keep them coming we really do like i said we really do appreciate that that's all i had to say again i want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me bye I mean, my boss is great, but my boss doesn't know me as well as Google knows me. Google can look at years and years and years and years of emails before I was married and can probably find all sorts of horrible things about me, things I would much rather forget, stories I would much rather forget telling, but I wrote them down in email once, and therefore Google knows they're there. They're in the cloud, you know, someone else's computer. Google knows all that stuff about me, and maybe it's smart enough to say, okay, if he wrote this story 12 years ago, and by the way, that's when Gmail started, 12 years ago I know right crazy Um, if it knows stuff about you and says okay this happened 12 years ago and this happened 3 years ago maybe it can draw a line to say ah obviously his emotional maturity is increasing god I hope it is really I do Uh, The evidence by this podcast, not at all, but let's hope in general, in the aggregate, (laughs) my emotional maturity is increasing. But if it can say, look, at timeline X, 12 years ago, you were here, and at timeline Y, which is two years ago, you were here, I can extrapolate, then a year or two, you will be over here, and thus, you will want this. If it knows when I graduated because it's on my Google Plus profile, and by the way, it... Uh, you know, it can tap into LinkedIn, it can tap all this stuff. It's gonna know when I'm gonna need retirement savings and that's when it's gonna start pushing commercials to me. It can extrapolate all this information about me. So those are the two things Google are about to have. All the jobs and all the people. That's going to be a game changer. Because again, you can't treat skills like commodities. You can't say the ability to run a database is something that you either have or have not. It's not a binary thing. You just check a box and say, boom, this isn't the matrix. And you can suddenly click a button and say, I know Kung Fu. No, you don't. You read a book. (laughs) The difference from a development standpoint of the person who went to boot camp and read a good book about PHP versus the person who's been coding PHP for six years is radically different it's not a brains thing it's simply an experience thing and the same is true not just for php but for pretty much every skill that you can still call a skill these days that's the thing if google knows all this about people and has all this data science to say i understand people and i can start to make predictions about people what happens when it also knows the jobs and it all can start to apply better thinking about the jobs what if when it scrapes the jobs it then takes the information it has about the company and the attributes of the company and the way it works and the way it speaks and the languages it uses and the the words it uses and all the different stuff people talk about it all online at every different platform it can suddenly create personas about the companies as much as it creates personas about the individuals what happens when it becomes the world's greatest job matching system huh <laughs> is that not crazy To think that the concept of recruitment can get gutted because google knows more about an individual than a recruiter ever could in fact can learn as much about the company it's focused on as the recruiter does and create better matches faster than a recruiter the future of the talent becomes about the connection again skills are not commodities this is where individual preference matters. This is where the future of talent isn't so much about this big monstrosity of a computer matching things, it's about saying, look once Google can create all those matches and instead of me going on Indeed and finding a thousand jobs for recruiting Google's saying, look, ignore 99% of them. Here are the three you really want to talk to and I spend my time researching those companies and I learn about who works there and maybe I I even do a couple of informal interviews maybe I show up to an event or two because I know they're holding because I'm not looking at a thousand possible jobs I'm looking at the three that I'm like these are the ones I need to be at the job process changes it's no longer the kabuki theater of here's my commercial and I'm not gonna let you see beyond it it's about I'm gonna open the kimono because I know so much about you I want you to know so much about me that you realize I'm the perfect candidate for this place. The future of talent, what Google is about to do to the concept of, 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 of what we're all about, is about to make the process of looking for a job go into the past. Meaning it's not about pushing out a thousand resumes to a thousand companies, it's my father typing out a letter to a hiring manager. It's about knowing so much about that company and the company knowing so much about you that it can feel so comfortable moving forward. Right, hiring a person and I'm speaking to all the hiring managers in the room it's a gamble even the person you fall in love with who on the face of it looks fantastic you know in your gut has a 20% chance of failing brutally right I've hired people I'm like "I, I know this is a gamble but it's a gamble worth taking but in the end you can only know so much about a person it's a gamble what if it wasn't a gamble what if you truly could know more about people I know I talked about in the last podcast that Google did a lot of research. Laszlo Block in his book said, look, if, the more we interview, we don't actually get smarter about whether people are going to be a success. And that's because the, the tool they were using to measure never changed. The interview never changed. The resume never changed. What if Google radically redesigns and forces the redesign of a resume in the interview process? What if an interview process is now, look, so much of your information is online that Google, not, when you apply for a job, or you quote unquote applying for a job, and I am using air quotes here, it's providing not just your resume, which is the commercial, but Google's understanding of who you are, hey look, here's all the blog posts that she or she has written, here are the communities they fo- they frequent, um, here's the sites they go to, you know, and of course you have blocked certain ones and you can tailor that a little bit. No one needs to know what I do on my day off. Um, but it has all this information about you and it has all this persona data about you. It's like, look, based on the emails he wrote 12 years ago and the emails he wrote two years ago, his emotional maturity is off the charts and he's really good at X and Y and Z. At that point, a company is going to say, look, this isn't about a one-hour interview where we trying to ask you trick questions or treat it like a damn game show. You know what? Why don't you come work for us for a day? Can you spare a day? We'll even pay you for the day. Come in, sit in on meetings, Ask questions. See what we're doing. Sign the NDA. Whatever. Don't worry about that part. But come in. Let's test run this. Let's learn more about each other. Let's have lunch together in the middle of it, and let's see. You know, let's test the coffee. Test the meetings. Test, test the the uh, the culture. The style. What it's really like. And then we can make decisions. And we can see about you beyond the kabuki theater of resumes and interviews. And you can see about us beyond the kabuki theater of uh, uh, websites and 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 polished up glass door reviews. That's the future talent. We get to the point where Google has made it so easy for us and so comfortable for us to ignore the commercial process of it that we get to know the people as individuals and we get to be individual people advertising these jobs that we get to find connections. And this sounds a lot like dating. I know the metaphor of talent acquisition and dating is probably the oldest metaphor in talent acquisition, but it finally becomes like dating. Not a Tinder age dating, which is kind of what it is now, but a real true, hey, my friend thinks would be a great match. Let's go have coffee. Let's talk about this. And you know on that second date you have to, you know on the first date, yeah, you gotta be a bit of a commercial. You have to show mostly the positives and maybe let a little of the negatives eke out just so you are a real person and not a commercial. And by the second or third date you go, yeah, this is interesting. I really like this person. This person is interesting and I like spending time with them and they don't seem, more, and I can see the future with them. I can see how things evolve. Um, I was in a, a, a meeting or a class or something this week and someone said, can we admit to ourselves at any given time Jobs change so fast. An individual job, the skills needed to be good at a job change so fast that at no point in time can any individual be expected to be more than 50% competent or be expected to be more than, be competent at more than 50% of the skills needed, right? If you're a salesperson, the information you have to master changes all the time. You can't master all of it and be cutting edge all the time. It's simply impossible. That's not human. So we can't expect everybody to be, perfect all the time, what we can do and what we want out of those people is not to say you know everything but to say you know how to learn relatively quickly or you know how to adapt skills very quickly or you know how to sound like you know what you're talking about or you know how to put things together quickly enough so that as new skills and new needs come to the table, you can adapt very quickly. How does that correlate to what a job description and a resume looks like? Those things are cast in amber, they're frozen in time. My resume is obsolete three seconds after I send it to you because I've changed, because I've learned something. I read a new book. I have a new thought. I had a new podcast. I had a new blog post. Whatever it is, I'm growing as fast as everybody else is growing. Your job descriptions are no different. The list of skills you need to master on your job description are obsolete the second you publish it because there's another coding language or another uh, architecture or another uh, who the hell knows. It's always changing. And if all those things are in flux, you can't trust the inner, the resume and the, the job description. What you have to trust is the person behind both. Falling in love is not about I love you now. It's about saying, look, I think you're pretty great now, and the direction I'm heading and the direction I want to be heading seems to align with the direction you're heading and you want to be heading. I think we can do well in the future. That's how you predict the future of a relationship. We don't do any of that when it comes to job hunting. We talk about the second today now. And that's where we fail. The future of talent is about talking to each other as people, not as commodities, not as skills, not as resumes, not as job descriptions. All right, the coffee is about to wear off. As per usual, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Again, I'm gonna be speaking in February in San Francisco at the Social Recruitment Strategies Conference. I've got a couple other things in process, speaking gigs in Chicago and other places, I will happily talk about once I'm allowed to talk about them. Um, Otherwise, if you have a speaking gig or you've got a conference you'd like me to, uh, to speak at, Please contact me at the Twitter at the War for Talent or on LinkedIn. Um, you know where to find me, and of course the website thetalentcast.com. That's where I yeah, that's where stuff is. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks for leaving reviews. Thanks so much for participating. I will talk to you next week. Bye.